and Zelda will date for eight months, two weeks, six days, and one hour. This television program is the comprehensive account of their relationship. From A to Z. Hello and welcome to Chats the Television Podcast, Season 13, Part 4? A to Chat Z. This is the fourth series in our season on shows that didn't last 13 or more than 13 episodes before getting cancelled, which we have been calling 13 Under 13. My name is Alan, and I'm joined by the Wallflower intern who definitely didn't get paid enough to delete all instances of the phrase Big Bird is a stupid rich bird from Manhattan from the company database. It's Magellan. Hey, I think probably a way for us to make the name 13 under 13 still work if this is accurate for all the shows this season is there shows that were canceled before 13 episodes aired. Maybe. Oh, then it's you don't have to change the name. True. Yeah, because there thirteen episodes of this aired, but it was canceled after like five or something like really? that. Really? Is that how? And they was just that? yeah, something like that. And they just aired the rest. Anyway, hello. Also, Hi. people should know, it was a very contentious conversation that we could only resolve through a coin flip whether this season sub season <laughs> would be called. A to chats with a capital Z at the end or chats to Z. And, uh, you know, it's impossible to say what the right decision is. You folks will have to let us know which one's better. Chats to Z has the better mouthfeel. A to chats is a visual choice that you you can't pass up when mm-hmm. you're a show called chats with a Z at the end. So, And you're covering a show called A to Z. A to Z, right. Yeah. So we're back, guys. We're back talking about canceled shows. Um, John, did you, are you are you happy to be back? Are you excited to be back in the world of canceled television? Um, I am. I also just realized that there's also an A in chats, and so we could be called Che to Z. C H A T capital A T O capital Z. Chatos. Cha to Z. Cha to Z. Cha to Z. To A to Z. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, someone make that graphic. Someone make that graphic. <laughs> yeah. anyway. Oh, um, I'm very excited to be here. So this, uh, to remind folks, this stretch of season 13 is covering three shows. Uh, we are <laughs> completing the Ben Queeniverse, which we began when we watched Drive in mm-hmm. our last chunk of three. We are watching A to Z now. And then we're going to break uh, the Queeniverse up with the Birds of Prey TV show from the early aughts. And then we will go into Powerless at the uh, end of this stretch of three. And um, Birds of Prey was your choice. Powerless was a patron suggestion. And A to Z was my choice. Uh, and I am very excited to revisit the show. It was kind of Why a random. Why did you do this to us? <laughs> It was a random sitcom that I caught on Hulu in 2014, and I remember it struck a chord with me, I think, because I was, you know, uh, a lonesome romantic in college, Mm -hmm. I suppose, and uh, also that was around the time that I was trying to make my own kind of web video sitcom type stuff, Mm -hmm. and so I was very interested in sitcom format and there 
the show on its surface is really like, hey, this is like an unusual sitcom. Look. And then you look and it's like, just kidding. It's a normal little show. Pretty fun. Uh, but as someone who is a fan of <laughs> Ben Feldman, Boom. there it is. There and is. titling conventions. I got to say, yeah. this checks off quite a few boxes for me. So I was I, happy to re- revisit it. That's so. That's all so true. And I'm happy to have known you through that beautiful period of your life. Um, <laughs> I think it's worth underlining that Kristen Liliati was the mother in How I Met Your Mother. Sorry, sorry. Did you say Kristen Liliati? Yeah. Did you catch okay. that? Yeah, I did. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm only saying it like that from now on. Sorry. <laughs> Chris, sorry, Kristen. Kristen Liliati was the mother in How I Met Your Mother. Spoilers. That's right. That's right. So that was and March that of was 2014. Like right, right before this aired, yeah. Yeah, this is October. That's March. So you're like in you're in the Liliati fan club at that point. Not the rapper. Unless maybe she did something in college. I don't know about her what she did. Um and then was Ben Feldman in Madman at that point? What would I have known him from in 2014? Uh, I think Mad Men was probably the thing. If I'm looking on his IMDb, I'm trying to get a quick glance of when he was in Mad Men. He was in Mad Men from 2012 to 2014. So yeah, yes, he was in that. Oh. And I think that was probably his his break because before then, the Mindy Project. Yeah, he was. He had some side roles and other things he was in a show called living with fran for 26 episodes please be this with a fran, fran drescher. drescher please 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 it's fran drescher let's go <laughs> i think i think he was like fran drescher's son or something mother of two falls in love with a man half her age as she tries to make him part of the family he was fran drescher's son in a one season sitcom. I'm vibrating. Fuck, it's 26 episodes. Oh, sorry. Damn no, it. Two season, two season sitcom. Damn it. I wish it got canceled sooner so we could cover it. <laughs> I know. Wow. Living Wait, with and Fran on the Mr. WB. Charles Shaughnessy is in this show. Mr. Sheffield from The Nanny is in the show for oh, seven Mr. episodes. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. My Mr. You do a decent Fran Drescher. You do uh, a better Fran Drescher. My Mr. Sheffield. Yeah, you're kind of. It's like really a. Good. It's a. I'm touching my throat right now. It's like a high pitched Lois Griffin. Um. Anyways. Ah. Uh, anyway, yeah. I think Mad Men was probably his his break that f- before the show that you'd know him from, and he's been and in some other other stuff since then. Superstore Super has been Fuck. his big his big show. Which that was right after this. So he, at least he got a stable gig for a little while. Um. I find him very charming, and I think Kristen Milioti is a very. She's an underrated actress. Yes, and stunning agreed. also. Just Very worth good. noting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we get into talking about A to Z and what the heck this show is about, I want to read you something uh, okay, please do. to sort of set the tone. So this show came out in October of 2014, which is a really fascinating time for culture if you've been on the internet uh, mm-hmm. because, I don't know, a lot of music and like aesthetics were being defined at the time in the 2010s had really been like solidified. And uh, mm-hmm. in 2021... Um, one of the biggest TikTok trends slash hashtags was 2014 aesthetic, t- 2014 Tumblr aesthetic specifically. Uh, Tumblr was like as big as it's ever been in 2014 with okay. uh, the music, the colors, the fashion. If you want to watch people try to recreate their 2014 looks, that's the the TikTok uh, thing to look at. 
Um, Glad that year's getting some love. It was a fascinating year, right? It was a really interesting year. Yeah. Like, I can't remember life. where it ended up on our 2010s tier list, but I, I think it was pretty. I think it was actually pretty high. Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe. Um, but I wrote a poem about 2014. I couldn't resist writing this. Mm. It, knowing chats, if you know us, we know that we're all we're sincere to a fault sometimes. So there's no. I didn't intend for this to be like a funny thing. It's just a poem that I wrote. It's like a, okay. A, it's a little thing. All right, let's hear it. Dark black chokers line the skinny legs of our dreams. Arctic monkeys play at the clubs that we didn't go to. Rainbow drinks from Starbucks, making baristas hate us. But man, we did it for the vine. And we donned combat boots and black mascara to intimidate our foes. Our record collections went unplayed, yet we posted them like pure heroin and walked the moon. Things that we could say, but we could not do. We dreamed of a sensual, dark, mysterious life that lived in our collective unconsciousness. We said things like, when I'm older, this is exactly how I will dress, look, carry myself, every day, effortlessly. And yet, punctuated by taste, culture, so much culture, need more culture, the 2014 aesthetic undeniably sharpened itself to a razor's edge, ready to shatter. And there we were, stuck in the real world, with our dating apps, with Silicon Valley ideals, global tragedy on a scale that we couldn't comprehend, and a knife with a broken edge. Did we ever stray from this aesthetically pleasing life? Where did the fishnets and infinity scarves end? When and why did we return to the real world? Was it when we realized that those dreams were always meant for Tumblr? And that wide-eyed optimism was a paradise prison of our own design that we escaped at 25. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. That was awesome. Yeah, I was bored at work. <laughs> <laughs> I love and that. I, yeah, I. it's just, it's so specific. And if you dig into what, what this era was, it was stuff like A to Z. It was like goopy romantic shows. And movies mm-hmm. about teenagers getting out of their sinking out of their parents' houses and coming of age and and Arctic Monkeys AM is such a perfect encapsulation of it. Um, if they don't play any songs from that in the show, I will be disappointed because it feels mm-hmm. right. But yeah. just like the party that you're not invited to, the party that you heard about and wanted to go to and never and you imagined, is like mm-hmm. the 2014 aesthetic to me. Uh, and it all of it is fake. Like all of it is like stuff <laughs> we wanted to do but didn't go to. So yeah. that's what yeah. I find so interesting as like A to Z attempts to map some of those aesthetic ideals and dreams to real characters and stumbles right. pretty interestingly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a show that feels like nostalgic for the time that it is in totally. in a way, uh, which is such a fun thing about sitcoms sometimes is they're so, so of their time that mm-hmm. they can't be anything else. Um, I remember, I, I want to start talking about the show, uh, but I, I want to set the framework of like what it is mm-hmm. and uh, set straight. I don't think I pitched it this way on recorded record, but I pitched it this way to you. Yeah. My memory of the show was that it was like uh, a love story told out of time, like mm-hmm. different vignettes from the relationship of the two characters and the letters are kind of like 
the thing that motivates us bopping around into time. But it's just a straight up like linear show and yeah. doesn't do that. So I don't know why I thought that that was the thing, but it's not. Um, sorry if you're out there and I made you believe that that was the case. Anyway, what it yeah. is. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I Because I thought that once I got to the second episode, I was like, oh, weird. I guess. Okay. It's it's meeting and then first date. And then I got to the third episode and I was like, it's meeting and first date. And then like a week later, I think we're going in order. And yeah, I, I do think that the reason you thought that was the, the premise sounds way more interesting. And there are like movies that have done stuff like that. But mm-hmm. also that's like a little bit high concept for a primetime sitcom. Yeah, in my head, that was the reason why it was canceled, is mm. it was like too too much, too hard to follow, but it was interesting. And I think the visual of like all the letters opening up yeah. in the opening titles made me think that it it had like a gimmick to it, but it, it doesn't. Um, it's essentially a romantic comedy sitcom, which there aren't. I can't think of another example of that, so I guess that's what's novel about it, is we are following two characters who are kind of a classic rom-com pairing, um, and we are seeing them get into a relationship and be in that relationship for a long period of time. It's Andrew and Zelda. Andrew is Ben Feldman's character, and Zelda is Kristen Milioti's character. And uh, A to Z. He, a to Z. He's a romantic guy who's like kind of sensitive, and that's what's happening there. And of course, we're gonna make some jokes about like, oh, that's a little feminine because it's 2014 or whatever. And he works for a uh, dating service. Oh, flashy, you know, tech job. She's a high-strung lawyer who doesn't have time for a relationship and isn't here for that romance stuff, but. Maybe she'll come around to it. And that's their dynamic. We see their relationship through a series of vignettes. Uh, and that that's, that's A to Z. What were your uh, feelings about it broadly before we talk individual episodes? Um, I think that the it, it's bolstered by great performances from the leads. Yeah. Um, I think it's supporting cast is a little bit flat, mostly. Um. And that's disappointing because I think that a show like this could really survive on like a good supporting cast. I think it was canceled partly because uh, it doesn't have a lot of momentum of or of any sort. And also they gave themselves a hard out. Technically, the show could have only lasted 26 episodes and it still only went halfway, which is so funny to me and so sad. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think I think so much about that and like. You mentioned how you can't think of that many like romantic comedy sitcoms and like the 2010s right around this time was it. I mean, besides like yeah. I Me your mother, yeah, I feel like we get like New Girl, classic example or like The Mindy Project or I guess Jane the Virgin technically. Like stuff that's like about romance but is also a sitcom uh becomes more popular and there is just nothing particularly unique about a to z other than its premise and the fact that everybody on it is charming right Uh, that's that's where like if i were and and i think i'm gonna play this role a lot as we do more 13 under 13 is like 
if I'm a network exec, what am I look? What am I thinking about with the show? And what I'm thinking is like, all right, you're not giving me anything. You're not giving me like sequel potential. You're not giving me like ten seasons. You're not giving me streaming success or a virality. These characters are not are, are relatable in some ways, but not in other ways. Like it's just not like I'm not latching on to anything about it other than like yes, these yeah. people are very nice to each other, and sometimes the jokes are funny. Yeah, and I think. Uh... The other thing that's kind of strange about the setup of the premise is Katie Siegel uh, of Futurama fame um, icon, Uh, right? She's Leela? Yeah, Yeah, she's Leela. And uh, on Married with Children. Oh, sure. (laughs) Yes. Um, In the, like, opening, she says that uh, Zelda and Andrew dated for eight months, one week, one day, one hour. And this is the story of their relationship. And so you're told from the beginning, like, this is a relationship that's going to end, which is something you're not told in any rom-com because I want to imagine these characters being together forever. Uh, And I think the, the, if I can slightly kind of spoil something that they messed up in that framing, I think the point of that framing is like, well, once you get married, you're not dating anymore. So uh. like they could have they could either break up or get married. But I don't think that that dual possibility is super clear mm-hmm. from the way it's set up and so you're kind of told this yeah, is going to end. This is going to end. Which on the one hand is is interesting because I think that there are a lot of relationships that people have in their lives that last for their time and are like important experiences. Like an eight month relationship can be a pivotal life changing, you know, self changing experience for mm-hmm. you. Uh, but is that like what we want to watch a fun little sitcom about? I don't know. Um, and uh and yeah i did a search this is a random side thought for rom-com sitcoms Mm -hmm. on google and the one show that i think fits the bill of like two leads were following their relationship uh that does it way differently is love the netflix show yeah yeah um and what works about love is it's so it's like really okay with the relationship being like kind of fucked up and not working and right. like going to the real places of uh of error that relationships go to in mm-hmm. a way that like A to Z I think would want to be that sort of show but in 2014 on NBC like you're not going to do that you know so yeah. it's also kind of a a concept that is right for the streaming era, but it's a network show. And so that's kind of a weird space to be in too. Exactly. And I want to talk more about what the show says about love and romance um, as we talk about the first episode. Before I say yeah. I ask that though, and I'm, I'll am i totally cut this if you don't want to say it on air. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you're currently in a relationship, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many, how long have you and your partner been together? Uh, Almost seven months at this point. Okay. And your relationship is like, in my view, very, like very strong and good and like adult. I feel that way as well. Uh huh. And so like eight months is exactly enough to be like, 
this seems like it's just going to work. But then there, that's why it's so sad that, like, in theory, from what we've seen so far, if it's like, and then it doesn't work, it's like, that's also what's interesting to me is where does it start to go wrong? Because right. ABC constantly puts, like, relationship-ending problems in front of them and then lets them solve it. And I actually like that. That's one of my favorite things about the show is that yeah. each, like, episode's premise so far is, like, Here's something that like could totally ruin a couple if they didn't talk about it. How do we fix yeah. it? Well, we talk about it like adults and we promise not to do it again <laughs> and then we say sorry. Done. Right. Yeah, and I think if it was a little more clear about like it's a mystery what's going to happen to them and what that phrase means, uh I think that would be a more engaging structure for the show. And I think that was yeah. the intent in like how they wrote it. Um because yeah, when you when you're having the mindset of like, okay, this could either be forever or it could be eight months long, as people engage with real life relationships, then uh, you know you're looking at every problem like you're saying with that question of, well, do they fix this one or is this the thing that ends it? Yeah. Um, and that. I agree that that's like an interesting study in how relationships work or don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the I kind of stuff I want to. This is the kind of stuff I want to talk about with this with this series because, like, I think as a sitcom, it is bog standard mostly. Its characters do things that are mostly predictable and um, occasionally funny, but it's mostly like, oh, the the problem that they put in front of Andrew and Zelda here is fascinating. How are we going to yeah. solve that? And the people in their orbit as well. Yeah. I think the joke writing in the show is pretty decent. Yeah. Um, like, I think the dialogue is good. I think the plotting of the sit- more sitcom plots, like you're saying, is very like, okay, you're going to do this, and then you're going to do that, and then we're going to do this. Um, but I was entertained, at least for the first, mm-hmm. you know, these first few episodes. Let's get into the first one then, yeah? Yeah, let's do it. So episode one is called A is for Acquaintances. This episode was written by Ben Queen, the showrunner. It was directed by Michael Patrick Jan, and it aired October 2nd, 2014. Magellan, what happened in A is for Acquaintances? Uh, This is a summary of the whole episode, it looks like. So uh, I'm going to read it out, but just so people know, this is the whole episode. I didn't write this much of a summary for all of them. I just did for the first one because it's like, here's the show. Makes sense. Just as the hopeless romantic Andrew Laughlin begins to grow cynical about his work for an internet dating site, and perhaps love in general, he happens upon dissatisfied customer Zelda Vasco. As it turns out, Andrew and Zelda, the titular characters, both work in the same business park and decide to be friends. While out for some innocent drinks, Zelda hears a song that reminds her of a terrible concert she was dragged to. Andrew also remembers being dragged to the concert and monologues about a girl in a silver dress he saw there. He believes that Zelda was that girl, and that fate has brought them together. An unsure Zelda flees the bar, claiming she wasn't the girl and that she doesn't own a silver dress. When Andrew enlists the help of his programming friends to scour the internet for proof that she was the girl, they discover they weren't at the same night of the concert. Zelda storms off and mulls over the silver dress she secretly has in the closet. She decides to let her defenses down just a little bit and calls Andrew. When she confesses that she was the girl in the silver dress and says she wants to give their relationship a second chance, Andrew leans in to kiss her, and their eight-month relationship begins as acquaintances. Mwah. 
Mwah. Smoochie. Mwah. So I right out the gate, uh, a company park is a wild setting for a show. So interesting. I think it's great. Yeah. The dynamic that they can see each other's offices yeah. from their windows is fun. I hate it's COVID good. so much, dude. I hate COVID so much. <laughs> How much it has it has ruined and and like deleted the concept of of a of an office park. And like the show, my other thing with the setting is like Silicon Valley is seems so. Is this Silicon Valley? Because it's L.A. I guess the Silicon Valley extend down. Yeah, Valley? it's not. It, I wouldn't call it Silicon Valley. Well, okay, so like Los Angeles tech culture then uh, uh-huh. is so like romanticized here. Like, oh, isn't it cool to, like, work at a fun dating app? And, like, right. at the same time, there's, like, a deep cynicism to uh, the Wallflower, like, company right out the gate. But yeah. then so much of the show is about Wallflower and, like, Andrew's co-workers and his friends. And weirdly, especially in this first episode, I was like, who is Zelda? Who is literally half of this show? And right. why is she so cynical other than what we start to learn over these episodes, which is, like, she is affected by a lot of trauma. And mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like the show is about Andrew and Zelda's involved at this point. That's how I felt about the pilot. What about you? Yeah, I was feeling a similar thing. I think the show, in terms of their character dynamic, it is wanting to present two people who have very different perspectives on love. And I think my supposition is that they started with Andrew yeah. as a character. Um and I mean, I don't know Ben Queen, but maybe he is like Andrew and, or something. Uh, and maybe that's where that's coming from. But he feels pretty uh, lived in as a character. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who loves love and has certain quirks and foibles, and that feels pretty complete. And now we're going to create this other character, Zelda, who is his foil who has the opposite opinions and then we're going to figure out, well, why does she, as opposed to like thinking about who she is first and her characterization coming from that. Yes. Um, And to me, that's made all the more obvious by the fact that Andrew is the one who has the like job that is tied to the themes of the show. And Mm -hmm. it's like, part of the inherent irony of his character that he like works for this dating service, but doesn't believe in that form of matchmaking or dating. He believes in like a more love at first sight destiny kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then Zelda's job is I'm a lawyer, but don't worry. I only do the good law stuff. Every time somebody says that they're a pro bono lawyer in a TV show, I wince because pro bono does not mean that you do good law or that you do altruistic right. law. It means that right. you do law because they, they people aren't paying you, and so you elect to do it for free. So, uh, and and often that can mean in some cases that like for my friends who are lawyers that you work at a firm and they have things that need to be done like immigration law or like really tough, actually not quote unquote good guy law. And they're like, uh-huh. well, but we need somebody to do this pro bono. So you're our like backup. Like people can't afford us and they take to you. It's not, yeah. it doesn't mean she's a good guy, but the show is like, and it, no worry, she's a good lawyer. That's totally fine. Right. Right. And yeah, it just feels like this, <laughs> this weird excuse to be like, she's so uptight, but she's always wearing like pretty hot clothes because she's yeah. a cool lawyer. 
Okay. <laughs> I, I don't love that, but nope. it is what it is. Um, the yeah, funniest so... gender stuff at the top of the episode um, was like Katie Siegel is explaining who Andrew is. And, you know, Ben Feldman's like a cute guy. He's got kind of like a, a whimsy mm-hmm. to him. And yeah. she has to specifically say, like, Andrew likes sports and Liam Neeson movies. And you're like, I don't I don't believe it like of that. And that's never going to come up in the show, except when he in episode three, I guess. Uh, uh-huh. But also he likes Celine Dion and his job. And you're like, OK, so he's a sensitive guy, but you made him also a masculine man because <laughs> the show needs a guy like that because 2014. Right. Yeah. It's just so <laughs> it it has big. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Energy. Yeah. <laughs> Which sucks. It's like it's compensating for itself, like the way that men compensate for themselves. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. no, but I like sports. I like Liam Neeson movies. It's like, you, you don't have to. You don't have yeah. to. I, I'm curious. I want to talk a bit about the part of what places this so firmly in 2014 is the way that technology exists and like yeah. the culture of technology exists in this show. Um, I'm curious what you thought about that, like Wallflower, how it's portrayed, how apps come up in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, what what were your reactions to that? So so you and I both have experience with dating apps. That's worth, that's okay to say, I think. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, and like dating apps even just as a concept have changed so much because we know what the show thinks it is bold to say so on one hand the show is like dating apps are huge but also they're a little bit fucked up and it's like yeah we already know that that's not surprising to us and they're like no you don't understand we need big bird to point at a powerpoint side and be like look at this we we screwed up because people are getting married they need to stop getting married and start hooking up again and it's like yes we know that. And now they make apps that are specifically not about that. Like we're, we are like <laughs> five levels of dating app culture beyond, oh no, the, the apps just want us to hook up. But like, right. it feels like this isn't even what dating apps are anymore. And it's really interesting to me to see yeah. that that change happen. Yeah. And the thing that's kind of odd to me or not even odd, but just intriguing is Wallflower is clearly a sort of like match.com kind of thing where it's like an account based matchmaking service that is newly integrating an app component. Right. (laughs) um, As opposed to like an app native operation. Cause like I looked it up and at this point, Tinder's not very old. Tinder launched in 2012. So like, apps as a thing are where that landscape is moving um and the show is kind of like this is a fresh concept and we're gonna do something about it as a show um but like you're saying at this point yeah you know dating apps are like yeah if you want to find somebody to marry like pay us 20 bucks just just give us money just hand us your dog (laughs) we're not trying to trick you we're just telling you like give us money and you'll get matches it's that simple yeah yeah it's a lot a lot more uh straight up which is funny it's straight up in like differently sinister ways right yeah because now it's like right you you are are still meant to feel bad when you use dating apps and you are meant to fail and it is not a numbers game people tell you it's a numbers game it is not it's a money yeah. game. Uh, they're super effed up. And seeing the show be like, look, aren't they messed up? It's like, 
that was probably a really important thing to put in your show in 2014. Uh, because, yeah, like 2012, mm-hmm. Tinder launches. 2014, where companies, uh, startups are saying, should we make an app is the question that's mm-hmm. being asked a lot. It's not an mm-hmm. assumption that we make an app. It's not app-first thinking, uh, right. to use a marketing term. So, like... They yeah they have a they have a service they know how it works they know what works for them and we get to you know dig into like programmer culture and the stuff that like you know Chuck walked so that uh, agency can run like (laughs) (laughs) jokes for Magellan and only Magellan yeah I think there's also this vibe in 2014 that it's like still cool to be a bit techno utopian about like Silicon Valley style stuff. Yeah. Um, like it's still okay to be optimistic about social media and those sorts of things, totally. which at this point, you know, almost 10 years on is not the case anymore. <laughs> so, uh, it's also just sort of funny that like we talk about the kind of sinister qualities of wallflower, but it's like cutely evil and yeah. we're just in this nice office just kind of chilling and living our life um so that was something that struck me too is like we're making these critiques but we feel safe doing it we're not actually like genuinely worried about the the decline of society because of (laughs) of of, uh you know social media and twitter especially yeah internet 2.0 or whatever it is yeah, it's it's yeah. it's a different kind of like yeah, it's cute. Uh, we're not thinking about like oh maybe we won't have social media in the next five years at all because we we goofed it up so damn badly. This came out the same year as the film Chef, which I chatted a couple weeks ago, and also features a major plot line that's like, dude, I I like blew up on social media because my son posted a picture of me. I accidentally added a food critic instead of DMing him because that's how social media works, and uh, now he wants to come visit me like. The integration of like adults trying to learn social media and people having an understanding of what that means, as opposed mm-hmm. to people have mm-hmm. now in 2023 have simply grown up with it and have not yeah. lived in a time where we didn't have it. And yeah. that's like really hard to swallow. But this is a show that exists with one foot still pre-social media. And that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. And not to say any too much about episode two, um, but there's this. There's this interesting thread in episode two where it would be like, oh, uh, Andrew is using the Waze app to track Uh, Zelda's location. And the camera's like, let's get really close on the Waze app so people know what it looks like and what we're talking about. It's a funny Uh, GPS. Yeah. Yeah. And just that way that like a show in 2014 is still trying to figure out like, "Ah, how do we talk about Yelp? Okay. I guess there's going (laughs) to be a character that does it versus nowadays like. Every show is like, oh, the way that you do phone stuff is it's an overlay on the screen and we just sort of do it and then move on. Yeah. Um, and that that was interesting to me, too. It's strange. Change, it's changed faster than a lot of other depictions of media in television. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some other big hits of this episode, though. So we get introduced yeah. to Stu, uh, who is <laughs> every 2010s sidekick guy friend, toxic masculinity yeah. Seems like it, you give him a couple years and he's going to find Joe Rogan or like MRA stuff or something. Right. Just kind of like I get bad vibes from Stu, especially this early. I was like, ugh. Yeah. And it's not he, fun having a sidekick that you don't like. That's not a good thing to me. Right. It It's 
it's a real like post Barney Stinson type guy. Yes. Oh. Where it's like we still think that this is funny, but uh, it's starting to get not as fun. But the guy playing Stu is is has pretty good comic timing. Yes. And so I don't always hate him. Uh, and I think he sells stuff in a fun way. But mm-hmm. the character of Stu, it's like, mm, okay. Yeah. And he gets good lines and he delivers them well. Um, yeah. Going back to the dating stuff really briefly, one of the ways that Zelda ends up in the office is because of a bug on the Wallflower app where she's matched with a girl and it is played as a huge plot twist that she might be bisexual, which oh like God. that was a big like I just I just teleported I just teleported into 2014. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. It's not. Weird. And then immediately they're like, no, 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 just no, kidding. no. She's not bisexual. Don't worry about it. Like we just came off of Sense Eight, which was only three years after this, and it plays it as like a wow. cute throwaway joke. I know, right? I wow. know, right? Those, <laughs> sorry, Sense Eight season one is one year after this. Since it's season two is three years. No fucking way. That's not possible. That That's doesn't true. compute in my brain. So we progress. That's what I'm saying. Like we progress with this stuff really fast. Uh, I don't you understand really how ahead of its time Sensei was. Exactly. And how in season two a character is like, hey, I'm bi. Is that weird for you? And then the other guy's like, no. All right. <laughs> Moving right the fuck along. And this is like, <laughs> oh my god, she's bi. Like bi is in like a goodbye, or bi is in like, oh, it's like, <laughs> dude. <laughs> yeah. The, the cringe is coming from inside the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, more 2014 stuff. The fact that the way that they met is that a fake. Is that she when they go on the to the date at the bar, she is shazamming a like fake Lumineer slash Arcade Fire band. <laughs> and she says, "Why do they yell hey in every song?" It's the millennial whoop. Yeah, that's the term for that. Uh, tis the tis the era of the millennial yeah. whoop, uh, and like them meeting at a bar and like all that stuff. Uh, at this point, we get introduced to Steffi, who I do like a little bit more than Stu. Steffi is Zelda's friend. Um, I I adore the character detail for her in this episode. That her problem with dating so far is that she adopts the taste of everybody that she dates. Yeah, that's a fun concept. That's like. Uh, not to call anyone out that's like people i know are like yeah i don't really like anything i just like what my girlfriend likes and i'm like mm-hmm. okay you don't really have anything that's like the guys who go to concerts and just you know put their hand my my favorite like stereotype of a guy at a concert puts his hand on his girlfriend's back while she has all the fun uh <laughs> it's just like he's or she's like that guy but like if the gender was was flipped uh yeah. so she ends up with Stu, but because he betrayed her and taught made her think she was a jazz guy kind of a goofy twist yeah, I just wanted to say I liked that 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 took out the question of Stu and Steffi getting together until it didn't uh-huh. <laughs> until it maybe <laughs> didn't. But uh, for now, at least it was like, no, our side characters aren't going to get together. Do not worry about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a smart way to create a foil character for Zelda. Like if you're going to have someone who's pretty guarded and careful about her relationships yeah. to have her best friend be someone who like almost always completely surrenders her identity to relationships feels like that's a good character for her to be having kind of philosophical conversations with in her scenes the way that it is um you know i can see what they're going for with the andrew stew thing andrew's like a sweet guy and stew's like a oh that kind of guy but it it just doesn't quite work the same 
way it's not like as good of or as honest of a dichotomy as uh zelda and steffi so that's what i liked about about their friendship right they actually ping off of each other in ways that don't make me dislike steffi whereas with Stu, it's like the ways that he's different from andrew make andrew seem perfect and Stu seem like a trash man uh yeah yeah and i want Stu to get like a little bit of humanization because again i think that actor is like quite good but just doesn't get there and I think the show ultimately, at least in these first three episodes, a, a critique that I have of it is that Andrew's always right, or like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the things that he does are more okay. Like he's he makes mistakes, and the show set, pays lip service to that fact, but it feels like the kind of narrative momentum of the show is in Andrew's favor and like kind of driven by his particular interests. Like just the way the plot of this episode plays out where he says, Oh, you were there. It is destiny. And Zelda lies about it. And then she's like, no, you were right. I was there. Uh, That is kind of how most of the episodes go where he's like, but love in the way that I love, Uh, whatever. Just kidding. Actually, you're right. I should love the way you love. All right. I love you. And that's like A, B, and C episodes so far. <laughs> A, B, and C. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <To Z. laughs> um, yeah. I want Andrew to have to humble himself more instead of yeah. them just both being like, because the thing in this one is, is what? Like, can we like talk to each other? I mean, oh, it's also like, can we like the, like open up to each other and about like the silver dress and not feel so guarded like let's open up to another person allow love into our lives again which Mm -hmm. is mostly what zelda has to do because she's the one who then calls him and it makes it happen right uh the last quick things from this one which we can talk more about in the second episode discussion uh our other side characters uh big bird aka lydia their boss i Mm -hmm. think that actress is fantastic she was for most of this my favorite character uh Mm -hmm. i don't like her lisp in this first episode they mostly get rid of it I don't. Th- it's a really odd character detail, and I don't think that Christina Kirk has it. I don't know why yeah. they chose to do that. I think they're trying to like make a villain out of the CEO, but not too much of a villain. And then later they're like, yeah. "No, she should suck. We're supposed to not like her." Yeah. Um. You and I were before the pod comparing her to, uh, that character from Abbott Elementary, Ava, the principal, Ava Coleman on Abbott, um, which is a mm-hmm. similar type of like, "I'm your boss, but I don't care about my job." The difference is that. Uh, Big Bird cares about her job, and that's a problem. <laughs> she cares uh-huh. way too much. Yeah. Um, and then the inter the tech people, the IT, uh, the two IT people, Dinesh and Laura. Um, but let's talk about them in, in the, the second one. one. Yeah. Uh, last quick things. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Leah Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's this whole randomly the other yesterday I referenced to you the Back to the Future. Uh, hoverboard scene oh and we we're doing the co- the commentary for um what's it paddington called? 2 paddington 2 and then you told me it was a major plot point in this show and i had totally forgotten that this was like a thing god i hated 80s nostalgia in the 2010s oh! for, for things like this where it's like hoverboard hey leah thompson's here doing the hoverboard like whatever Congratulations, you were a lot. I'm sorry, I'm gonna be mean. Be mean. Back to the Future is a fine movie. It's fun. I'm glad you have the thing that you like. 
I was <laughs> so sick of this. Yeah. Uh, this kind of 80s nostalgia by the end of the decade. Midjan and I both lived through people telling us that the 80s were the best era ever. We talk about this a lot. And yeah. for people who haven't watched the episode, the plot thing that we're talking about is Andrew is an optimist. And to show us that as a kid, he saw a documentary about the making of Back to the Future and heard Robert Zemeckis say, oh, we actually got these like real hoverboards from a toy store and they're not allowed to sell them to kids. And so Andrew believed that hoverboards are real all of his life. As an adult, he meets Leah Thompson, who plays... Uh, uh, the main the mother in back to the future and he goes like oh are those real and she goes no and he goes like oh my god like you know santa is in real moment and then in the post credits uh leah thompson looks at the camera and rides a real hoverboard like in the seat she looks terrible and it's like shut up <laughs> shut up. so goofy uh I, I just thought it was dumb uh and we end with a like little behind the scenes we got to see our boy ben queen and we got to see Kristen and uh, uh yeah and ben that's fun that's that all fun. you want to talk about the second one uh just a couple of quick shout outs to things that were funny to me in this one yeah uh, um there's this random thing when zelda's like being introduced where she's on the phone and says you can try a child as an adult but not the other way around and like, a really cute crime and then she's like oh that does sound like a really cute crime which was yeah. verging on like i wasn't cool with the joke until that the like they made it funny on it. yes yeah um one of the cocktails at the bar is called a martini luther king jr oh i wrote that down feels very 2014 for some reason uh-huh. um the Bader Meinhof set of jokes was <laughs> was really funny um, because uh, Andrew and Zelda explained to Stu what that is, and he's like, "That's stupid." And then immediately another character mentions the concept, and he's like, "I just learned about." Wait a minute! Oh my god, <laughs> that was pretty clever. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, we didn't mention this, uh, but like the way that we're accessing this show is. It was very difficult to find. Hugely so, difficult. Um, I'm going to assume that that people listening have probably not watched the episode. Yeah, this is the uh, hardest show. Chat show to find. So uh, far, yeah. Um, I guess so. I mean, On the Air was a really oh. weird thing to access oh god i forgot did, wait did we really watch that whole show through the vhs through the uh, the dvd this or yeah, the dvd, DVD rather yeah. what okay yeah. that's the hardest i'm sorry no you're right 13 under 13 is gonna forever be our like how hard is it to find shows because companies yeah. can stream all of their stuff as long as it makes them money and canceled shows don't make them money so they never put these things anywhere yeah but at least there was a place where i could buy on the air from somebody even if it wasn't really legal or whatever yeah. that was but this it's like nowhere because you know on the air had that energy of like it's a david lynch so show you're probably interested in this for like kind of tv scholarly reasons right yeah nobody is preserving a to z, a to z. in the same way which and is a bummer i was because, gonna say that it still makes me sad yeah. that shows are not preserved even if they're terrible you should still preserve the show somewhere put it somewhere yeah, yeah. And it sucks when it's like on Amazon Prime and it's like, nah, this isn't available to you. Sorry. Right. We know it exists. We have all the episode descriptions, but we're not going to sell it to you. Like, just, I will buy it. I'll spend $20 or whatever. I, I don't feel that 
attached to my money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have fiscal responsibility like that. Yeah. Anyway, such a such a so we're watching it in a way that we can't recommend to people. In good yeah. Conscience. <laughs> it wasn't even on the torrent sites. That's what I'm. Well, no. The thing is, we we are now four for four on thirteen under thirteen shows that have mm-hmm. absolutely awful SEO. Yeah. Uh, on the air, garbage. Uh, drive, drive. garbage. <laughs> Yeah. New Amsterdam, the not that one, the other one, garbage. <laughs> Tough, yeah. A to a Z. To Z? <laughs> the first time I typed this into a torrent website, it gave me every torrent that they have in the A to Z <laughs> order, and I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> That's really funny. It's just impossible. And funnily enough, we're not done with the <laughs> shows that are going to be bad SEO. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's great stuff. I will. I will say. Uh, this is the last thing, and then we can go to the next episode. It, it what the way we're watching is kind of bringing me back to yeah, 2014 <laughs> because, or even earlier, like this sort of uh, this is a weird streaming site that's probably destroying my computer right now. Uh, <laughs> that's like the way that I watched How I Met Your Mother and caught up to it before right. uh, it could be watching it live or it was on Netflix or whatever. Um, so it felt a little nostalgic, like, oh, there are all these weird banner ads and it's buffering and it just won't play. And I have to reload the page five times and close all these pop-ups. Wow. What memories. Oh, did your, my pop-up blocker got everything. I just got a blank web player. No, my pop-up blocker did not get everything. Okay. Oh yeah. It's, 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 it's from an era. And I too was like, that's how I watched Matt. No, Mad Men I torrented and put on a USB stick to watch on my PS3. That's how I watched Mad Men. That's so, iconic. Tis the era. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the second episode, yeah? Let's do it. So this one is called B is for Big Glory. It was written by Ben Queen and Ryan Coe. Uh, once again, directed by Michael Patrick Jan and aired October 9th, 2014. Just a week later. John, can you give me the summary for B is for Big Glory, please? In this episode, on the heels of Andrew and Zelda's great night together, neither is quite sure where they stand. We learn of Andrew's Big Glory song, which is the end credits theme for a baseball show he liked as a child that plays in his head whenever he feels things are going particularly right in his life. With Stu's encouragement, Andrew goes on a date with Brooke from marketing, during and after which Andrew and Zelda both try to play it cool. Meanwhile, Andrew's boss Lydia, aka Big Bird, revokes her no-office hookups policy and encourages all Wallflower workers to test the company's new dating app. Hijinks ensue, and Andrew and Zelda go through a series of misunderstandings before agreeing on no more games and no more seeing other people. Zelda finally finds her big glory song, and they plan their next date. I can't believe I wrote handmade summaries. I brought back handmade summaries for A to Z, dude. That's great. Uh, I love it. Thanks, man. This one's straightforward. I I thought it was cute that they were like... It, it it frames it as if they kissed all night, and then it's like, no, they talked all night. We're just gonna cut back to the kiss because that's mm-hmm. fun. Uh, yeah. I, I and again, this is how I knew that the show wasn't out of linear order because it was the millis like the night eight hours later or whatever mm-hmm. uh, after the last one. Um, how did you feel about Beast for Big Glory and and the introduction of Ben, uh, not Ben, of Andrew's sports fandom? So forced. All the sports stuff. Every episode they have to do a sports thing, and it's mm-hmm. like, okay, whatever. Not that I don't believe that people like sports, but <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. You watch the baseball show. Um, I 
I like this one. I really, really enjoy. I think my favorite character is Howard, who is uh, Lydia's <laughs> second in command. And uh, he had his first like big moment in this episode. Um, so I like it for that reason. He, he is absolutely the Smithers to her. Uh, yes. Mr. Burns. Yes. yes. And he literally Ben uh, Falcone does an amazing job playing that sort of a role. It's really so fun. To watch. Live action Smithers. The dream come true. I love it. Yeah. Um, I, I had a thought also, there are like a few throwaway lines when we're flashing back. This is another thing of like Andrew just being more developed as a character than Zelda mm-hmm. is all of Zelda's flashbacks are like, here's this traumatic experience that she had with a caregiver when she was a kid. So that's why she's like that. Mm. Anyway, Andrew's fifth favorite movie was Back to the Future. <laughs> and his sixth favorite TV show was this. And it's like, I don't know. It's a little weird. And uh, did did they not watch 500 Days of Summer? Right. Did they? Did they not like... I guess in 2014, I had watched 500 Days of Summer and also not gotten it. And so that's, (laughs) I was a part of the sort of like sad white boy industrial complex, (laughs) but it's just not at all self-aware of that thing, you know? One of the most chronically, tragically misunderstood films, like people missing the point and myself as well. Um, But yeah, it's, I, I think that, this is all of the sports stuff. All of the Andrew development is a marketing team being like, we need this show to appeal to guys. The rom-com stuff is going to appeal to women. And then the like relate to Andrew stuff is for the, the dudes out there. But like, that's my guess. Uh-huh. My cynical guess. Truthfully. And that's also why it's sports. Because if you wanted to make Andrew a realistic character who works at this tech company, you and yeah. I know people like this. He would be the biggest nerd. He would be like a like a yes. gremlin nerd, like into like Warhammer and like <laughs> fucking yeah. model painting and Magic the Gathering. Like he would be right. such a loser, and we would right. love him for it. Uh, and because those types of people also are really like sweet, romantic, doughy, goopy types. So you yeah. you have both of those things. We are both of those things. <laughs> we, the people on chats. Um, so I just, I think that like introducing sports as a thing to Andrew doesn't feel like there's one in the third episode briefly where uh, Zelda's like, oh, I love that you call your dad every day. And it's like, okay, so Andrew has a relationship to his dad, which is often how like young men develop a fondness of sports. It's like you, something you enjoy with your dad. But they don't say anything about that. They just acknowledge that like, to fall asleep he would watch this show and it had a little theme song at the end and that became his song it's like Mm -hmm. such a setup for a joke that like or you know for a payoff that doesn't even make sense because zelda's song isn't even like a known licensed song it's just like and she finally found her song and it's banana (laughs) (laughs) that's her song like what i wish her song was like yeah like a millennial whoop like in a lumineers or something uh just something earnest I wish the show was a little bit more earnest, actually. Uh, yeah. At least in parts. In parts. Yeah. Yeah. This is where uh, I think it's caught between tonally. I think, you know, it's caught between shows like um, I think you said, did you say this out loud earlier or in your notes, the sort of pushing daisies vibe? That was in my notes, yeah. That was in your notes. I think it's caught between like 
pushing daisies, totally not grounded in reality, lovey-dovey stuff. Yeah. And something like Love, the Netflix show, where it's like, this is like grounded, real people with problems, and we're going to like follow a relationship through the ups and downs. And to me, it doesn't do either of those things remarkably well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the the moment where Zelda's like strutting out of the place and her song is playing and everyone's looking at her like, whoa, wow. she has a newfound sense of confidence. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. <laughs> All right. Cool. On to the next one. And and Zelda is not even the most interesting woman on this show. I think this is the episode for me where where Lydia really starts to shine, because mm. Christina Kirk has this ability to play like like so flat and just say the most unhinged stuff. I didn't write down a ton of her lines, but uh, her big thing here is that she wants the people at the company to use the app more or to use the new mm-hmm. version of their app. So she makes them use it with each other internally testing wildly inappropriate her assistant immediately is like that's a really bad idea and she's Mm -hmm. like i don't i don't care and when she doesn't get matched with anyone because why would you ever match with your boss she says you know tells dinesh one of the tech people fix the app or else you're fired so uh he matches with her unintentionally and it's this weird awkward like 30 second scene where she's like huh i noticed you matched with me i just want you to know that it can't work but what if it could wouldn't that be amazing yeah Mm -hmm. But it don't won't. give up hope. <laughs> Keep it up, it's champ. Pretty, <laughs> so funny. Fun. I love I love Christina Kirk in this. She's just really yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, we're gonna see her again in another thirteen under thirteen show, believe it or not. <laughs> what? <laughs> she's in coming Powerless? right back. She's in she's a main character in Powerless. Oh, but. great. Oh, that's fun. She's in the yeah. Ben Queeniverse. Exactly. I have to think they're friends or something. Yeah. Or they just, you know, people work together a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. All of the Brooke date dating stuff in this one kind of made me feel. At first, it made me feel bad, but the show kind of like dialed it back. Where you know, uh-huh. and just checking on Zelda on ways during his date, and the whole time you're like, oh my god, what is he finding out? And then I'm I'm thinking like, Brooke must feel fucking terrible, for, and I feel so mm-hmm. bad for her. And then the show is like, no, 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 it's fine. She's doing the same thing to Andrew. She's making him his her ex or she's basically making her ex jealous who works at this restaurant as a chopper. And mm-hmm. they hint at the fact that the chopper is a little bit weird because one, he calls himself a chopper. Uh, mm-hmm. And then also she's like, oh, you know, he used to always like fight with me. And I'd be like, no, stop yelling. And he would yell. And then I would be like, no, get away from me. And he would get like she kind of like suggests that he's like a fucked up dude. And then he runs that Andrew with a knife. And it's like, OK, that's Brooke has her a little bit of agency here. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, what they're going for in these episodes, at least so far, is like, let's explore dating in the internet age and what that looks like. And in the first one, it was kind of like, well, you know, dating services, but there's still something about just meeting someone and let's explore that. And in this one, it's like, oh, gosh, I got so many dates scheduled. I guess I should go on this date. Um, But, like, I don't know. Maybe this is more of a thing that people are used to nowadays. But he could have just said, hey, sorry, I had this date already scheduled. Mm -hmm. I feel weird canceling. And Zelda could have been like, okay. Okay. 
Sounds good. Thanks for telling and me. She says that at the end, like you, we can talk about this stuff, but if we're going to be serious, then we can't date other people. Right. But before it that, just, we don't know that we're serious. Yeah. Yeah. It just, to me, is one of those classic plots of like, if you just structured your sentence a little bit differently, there wouldn't have been an episode here. Exactly. 100%. <laughs> um, uh, which is, yeah, silly. I did like the moment at the end where she was like, uh, we need to not see other people and we need to talk to each other more. I was like, yes, let's go. Like there is a point in a relationship where you need to accept that. But yeah, it's also true and realistic that when you're on the dating app loop, you aren't exclusive until you are like I myself uh. went on a date a few months ago and like while talking to her, I saw her phone buzz with another match. And I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, is this weird? And I was like, no, this isn't weird at all. Like I'm, I've, I've been on one. I don't, I didn't earn anything. I don't, I don't earn You have to earn exclusivity basically. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. you have to agree upon exclusivity. That's not a thing that you assume. Uh, right. And it's just a weird thing to navigate. So I did appreciate that. The, like they clearly did their research at least a little bit on like how people use dating apps, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other big notes do we have here? Did you notice that Dinesh, when he's in the bath and Big Bird calls, has a fucking leg tattoo? <laughs> well, that's that awesome. kind of cool. Yeah, King. Uh, what did you think of of our other side characters here? We haven't really talked about them that much. There's Dinesh and then Laura. Yep. Right? Ha- Hong Chow's character, Academy Award winning, no, Academy Award <laughs> nominated, <laughs> nominated actress, uh, uh-huh. Hong Chow. Uh, they're adorable uh they are the type of character that gets a like intense internet fandom uh but they Mm -hmm. make it so obvious they don't even make it subtle like give me a little bit of yearning i love yearning in my romance and that's partly why i don't feel attached to andrew and zelda is because right now the relationship is just working and like it has its bumps but it's mostly like this is just gonna we both of us want this to go well whereas at least Mm -hmm. with like laura and dinesh it's like we tried it it went terribly and we broke it up, but I don't think either of us wanted it to stay broken up. I think we kind of wanted to be like playing with each other a little bit. Yeah. And I find that they really each, charming. They call themselves each other's negative one, which is a, a funny little concept. <laughs> the back and forth where she's like, he writes like, yeah, there's just the one and the negative one on the thing. And then she's like, yeah. And then sometimes your ex is like an asshole because he writes on whiteboards or writes on windows because he saw the social <laughs> network. And then he's like, and sometimes your ex is always giving you shit for watching the social network once. And it's like, woof. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, I enjoyed them very much. Fun. They have a fun dynamic. I agree. In the tier list of characters I would want to play myself in A to Z, I think it's yeah, like. Give me your top three. I think it's obviously number one is Howard. Yes. Number two is like Dinesh. And uh-huh. uh, <laughs> can number three be uh, Gustav from episode three? <laughs> I just want to be like a background <laughs> hot guy and then leave. <laughs> right. What about you? Uh, Howard's number one. Um, Howard's so good. Howard's great. I love Howard. Um. I'll say, oh, this is hard to think about. I'll say Lydia number two. Okay. I'll say Lydia number two. Yeah, you could be like a nasty boss. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll say Stu number three. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll accept that challenge. You could make, you could fix him. You could make Stu. I could fix him. Um. Yeah. 
I'm trying uh, to see if there's any. Oh, there are a couple of stew lines actually that I I had a good laugh at in this one. Okay. So there's a moment where he and Andrew hug towards the beginning of the episode, and this must have been improvised. Uh, he says, "We're never chest to chest anymore." <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> uh, and then later in the episode. He this whole episode part of the other thing of this episode is like both of their friends are giving them bad advice, which is like kind of a boring sitcom trope, to be honest. Um but um Andrew kind of snaps at him and says, What happened to playing it cool? And Stu says, I'm not a role model, which is a great <laughs> response to that. Uh so all delivery. There's yeah, he, he really sells some of those lines in a way that's pretty fun. My hardest laugh of all three of these episodes was also a Stu line, even though I'm mm-hmm. more of a Lydia fan. But Stu, when he's in the restaurant spying on uh, Zelda's date, he mm-hmm. is, first of all, he's like eating sushi and doing us a weird little accent, which is whatever. And then he's on the phone with Andrew and he's like, oh, I'm loving this like muddled cocktail. And then he sniffs it and drinks it. And he goes, uh-huh. We don't muddle enough stuff anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, whoa, <laughs> that's an incredible line. Uh-huh. I think the side that's characters hilarious. make the show. That's the, that's the truth, for good and wor- for better and worse. And so when they don't work, the episode tends to drag, because otherwise Andrew and Zelda are like, they're cute, they're cute. Yeah, they're just they're just. But that's all they really are for me right now. Um, I do want to again underline like the fact that they not only work together or not work together, but work in the same like area, but also her office is literally a window away. And so he's like, imagine having your like girlfriend a window away from you at work. How like interesting that makes your relationship dynamic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she is above him. So she can like see, presumably like see his computer and like look at him whenever she wants and be like, she like knows when he gets up. There's like an yeah. intimacy to it that I found so interesting. Yeah. And there's something there that's like structurally how their relationship is working too, which I like, yeah. which is like she's really clinging to a kind of protected status position and he's like look open office concept open book this is who i am uh that i think works for me thematically yeah she works in a traditional lawyer's office where each person has their thing and he's got the like yeah i you i'm working in my cube with all my people and if we're really going to be the only people on the entire planet to overanalyze a to z uh the glass like the fact that it's transparent glass and they see each other but they can't hear each other is like Mm. that's like what their problem is is Mm. like we can see we know that we like each other but we're not we're like missing something there's a crucial part of our dynamic that we're never getting and that's the where the misunderstanding come from i like that that's good yeah yeah should we take a quick break and then talk about the third one she, yeah, let's let's do a big eyebrow raise like Zelda does at the end, and then she goes maybe more than talk. So maybe we'll, we'll maybe we'll more than come, we'll come back to maybe yeah, more maybe than we'll talk. Have sex during the second half. <laughs> Whoa, dude! No way. The Whoa. censors will never let us say that. C is for censorship. No, we'll be right back <laughs> after this musical break to talk about C is for curiouser and curiouser.
Welcome back to A to Chats. Sheesh, that's a silly <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> uh, I'm still Magellan. That's still Alan. How's it it going, makes Alan? a little bit more vocal mouthfeel sense if you say A, a to chat C, but that doesn't. Well, that's not what the word is. Welcome back to A to Chatsy. A to Chatsy. Welcome back to Che to Z. Welcome back to Che. Is it Che, che Guevara and then Che? Who's the other guy? Che Michael Che. <laughs> <laughs> che to Che. Got there. Got there. Got there. Che to Che. It's the ghost of Che Guevara what an, talking what to an Michael amazing Che. Romance that would be. I'd love it. So before we talk about the third episode, you had uh, a hot take. Yeah. So I, I have a couple of thoughts on like, how they would update A to Z in 2023. Obviously, they yeah, would finish I love, it. I love this. Oh, my if, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that Zelda would actually be bisexual. And the plot in the first episode yeah. would be this moment. Here's what the episode is. So Stu tells Andrew, I'm truly trying to learn, like, internalize these names on this 13 episode canceled show. <laughs> Stu, <laughs> Stu tells Andrew that like dating a bisexual girls is like finding a unicorn. Like it's so rare and awesome and hot. And it's mm -hmm. so gross and weird to me because it is how people think and have thought for years that right. like, and it gets into this like interesting gender dynamic where like being a queer woman is fine but being a queer man is like weirder. And right. so I think that the episode in 2023 would be Andrew trying to under like reconcile that toxic, that toxic masculinity and then like bring it up to Zelda and be like, Hey, I think one of the reasons I like you is like you're bi. And that like, he asks her mm. like inappropriate questions about that. And she's like, don't make it a big deal. And it doesn't mean that I love you any less done. Mm. That's like a pretty yeah. good plot. It's like about someone like learning and growing and doesn't like disregard her autonomy and like choice of who she loves. Yeah. They just, yeah. they, they don't have the words for that yet. It's sad no. to say. <laughs> they haven't seen Sensei yet. It hasn't been on TV. <laughs> and um, sometimes, last yeah. point on this, I promise. Sometimes I say that as if like we never talked about being bi in 2014. Obviously do we did. We've been talking about it for centuries. The idea of All like right. flex flexible sexuality. What I'm saying is that network TV, written and created for major like audiences an and corporations, sitcom. yeah, NBC sitcom, prim primarily created by like straight white people, is not going to have the language to talk about this. Not like TV did not have the the language. That's not true. So mm. that's what I got. Mm -hmm. uh, I really like that. Yeah, I think a new. Th these are my quick thoughts on what a 2023 A to Z would look like. I think it would deal more with gender and sexuality as a as a thing, a set of yeah. questions. The app that Andrew works at would have a much more specific use case <laughs> because <laughs> like a dating app. Yeah, it's just funny that in the second episode they're like, "They swipe, we tap. That's our thing." Uh, but you know, in 2023 it would be like, "This is a dating app for uh, I don't know, like people who drink oat milk or something. Well, that's not a good idea, but you know what I mean. It would be that probably exists. very specific. Um, my brain's trying to come up with a name for that app, and I'm, it's not going to happen. There's there's no funny name for it. Yeah. Uh, that's a thought. And then, oh, gosh, what was the other thought? Oh, Andrew and Zelda would talk a lot more about their attachment styles. Um, if this was in 2023. <laughs> 
Uh, Zelda, by the way, is avoiding attachment, and Andrew is anxious attachment. I yeah, think. I think so. Yeah. Ooh, what's and... their love language, babe? What's their love language? <laughs> um. Oh, did you watch you Big tell... Joel's video about? Yeah, that's what I was trying. I was it was entrapment. I was gonna like let you go off about. Uh, pretty good, no, pretty good then, video. Yeah. Great video. I just thought that because it's pretty critical of the idea of love languages, and I know that you and I have like talked recently about like love languages in a positive way. So I, I think it's critical of filtering all of love through love languages. And what I like about love languages is it's like a conversation starter. It's like kind of like a scaffold or like a, you know, an intro into how do I express care as opposed to like a unified field theory of acts of care, (laughs) Um, which is what Big Joel's critique was. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do think their love languages are, uh, (laughs) I think Zelda is... Zelda's hard because they don't characterize her very well. Andrew's gotta be like a physical touch kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He want he wants a hug. That's what he's into. He's into he's a he's a hugger. I'm still looking at ode puns, trying to find you something. Hold on. Thank you, (laughs) thank you. I was hoping this would swing back back to me. Uh, I had one other 2023 thought, but I can't remember what it was. I'm sure it'll come back to me. Anyway, we watched the third episode this week. It's called C is for cancel. Sorry. C is for curiouser <laughs> and curiouser. That was mean. I apologize, Ben Queen. Written by Ben Queen and Bill Callahan. Directed by Steve Pink. Aired on October 16th, 2014. Alan, what happened in C is for curiouser and curiouser? In this episode, things turn awkward when Uh-oh. Andrew and Zelda each do some online snooping and discover secrets about the other that they wish they hadn't known. Meanwhile, Big Bird does some meddling on her own at Wallflower to shed some light on how fellow coworkers really feel about her. And Stu teaches Steffi how to find the perfect guy in the world of online dating. Oh, that last plot leads to another point I have, which is that this show can't re- it can't resist being cynical about online dating. And being like, hey, the trick to it is to lie and to use these little things and to use personas. And it's like, it reminds me of like in 2014, I like, have I told the story about how I discovered Tinder? Uh, no. How I, I first so. heard that it exists. It's a quick story, short story, funny story. Uh, be me, be in college. It's 2014. You're sad. You're bored all the time. Uh a friend of yours from class is like, there are these cute girls at the college next door. They're going to give us Adderall if we do a science experiment with them. Wouldn't it be crazy if we went over and did that? I'm like, I don't know. I guess I'll do literally anything. So I go over there. We do the science experiment where we like answer quiz questions while there's like a heart rate monitor uh, reading us. And then there's no Adderall. I don't know why I even thought I would be the kind of guy to do that. I was not. And then we're just sitting in the lab, like waiting for our next class to start. And they're talking about like, oh, like sometimes I just go on Tinder and I like match with guys just to mess with them. And I like tease them on there and then I unmatch with them. And I was like, what the fuck? Is it like a bullying app? And she was like, no, it's a dating app. (laughs) (laughs) So that's That's how I heard about Tinder for the first time. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Just a little peek into the weird part of my life. Um, Yeah, this episode's whatever. I think the snooping thing is important Mm. to bring up, though, because like. It's a really common thing when you start dating somebody online or start dating anybody now 
that you're yeah, going to look each other date up. Date anybody in the presence of the internet, I think, is really what it is. Yes. Because, yeah. like, sometimes the show tries to be high and mighty about, like, Andrew and Zelda are like, no, we didn't meet through the app. And, like, we think that, like, they say it in this episode, like, we believe that these relationships are better when you meet in person and you can form a real connection. And it's like, okay, you guys are already that insufferable couple who tell people, like, don't look up people before you date them. That's a bad idea. But then right. the episode is about how that's a bad idea. And, like, it just it, it feels like it's just kind of a bummer that, like, yeah, it is going to, like, mostly demonstrably worsen your relationship if you mm-hmm. over-research somebody before uh, dating them. Because, like, Andrew's counterpoint is, like, isn't a little bit of mystery fun? Which is, like, not – that's not the counterpoint that I would have made, Andrew. I don't think mm-hmm. that mystery is fun. I think that there is, like – in dating you have conversations that are important that you have early on about like what do you like to do what was your past like you know that's how you find out in the case of zelda who's concerned about privacy and safety if somebody got arrested if they were you know they did something illegal in their past Mm -hmm. but like get it from them and talk to them about it because what you're going to get on google is going to be like this guy there here's an arrest video because Zelda is a lawyer yeah. who has yeah. access to classified files. Yeah. The one time her career so far has actually come into play. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about the whole like Googling people before uh, dating them thing? Um, I just was Googling you to try to see if I could find anything. Oh, that's um, awkward. Good. Ooh, that's awkward. I didn't realize you posted little uh, video game clips to your YouTube channel. <laughs> oh, God. Subscribe. Act. Yeah, you also found your uplifting playlist. Oh wow, I haven't uploaded updated that in like probably eight or nine years. That might be like around. Oh no, last update August twenty twenty one. That's not true. Michael Buble, haven't met you yet. Yeah, that's the era. That's fun. There's a little bit of K-pop in here, so this must have been. Oh, Lawrence Casualty. So three years ago would have been the last things I added to it, but it was mostly from like ten plus years ago. Yeah, I'm Googleable. I'm fine with it. I'm because I'm a we're somewhat public figures, you know. Uh-huh. I'm okay with people looking me up, and there's nothing like I went through a whole year of my time hop to delete any tweets that people could ever find of me that are like uh-huh. bad or uh-huh. weird or remotely questionable. Uh-huh. But also, my Twitter's private. I don't want people to even look that up if you can't if right. you don't know me. So right. But if people could Google me and find the cringy stuff that I posted privately on Facebook in like 2009, dude. It would be done. No one would ever yeah. date this guy. So yeah. that's partly why I'm like, you shouldn't you shouldn't know everything. It's just not worth knowing. Yeah. I um to respond to your question, which was what I thought about those themes in this episode, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I do think it's a strange choice to have this show that is like about dating in the social media era and just give Andrew and Zelda like two classic meet cutes uh to be like hey look it's a recognizable rom-com couple because then then you can't like do anything with them that's related to the the time of your show you have to explore Mm -hmm. those things with these other side characters like Stu and and uh steffi and it's just not that interesting to watch Stu and steffi have conversations about like whether it's okay to lie to people online or not. Mm-hmm. And we could have had an episode where Andrew and Zelda like ask each other about what was on their profiles and be like, wait a minute, 
when you said you liked cooking, you actually hated cooking. Oh, I, I just say that because people love someone who cooks. I don't even know you. Like that's kind of a more interesting right. episode to me. Then I Googled you and I found this totally farcical sitcom plot where you got arrested at a football game. I had some Zima. What? You're a queer coded man who likes <laughs> sports? Huh? <laughs> it's like, what are we doing? Um, anyway. So, yeah, I just think they kind of like tied one hand behind their back by saying this is a show where we're going to explore dating in the modern age, but we're going to give our main characters like a kind of timeless, quick origin story for their relationship because then you skip a lot of what's interesting about this being a show about dating in 2014. And uh, it feels like a missed opportunity to me. And I, I think it's a worthy subject to have this conversation about like, you know, what do you do when all of this information is available about someone that you're starting a relationship with how do you navigate that? How and why would you restrain yourself from looking things up? How do you broach that you look something up? Like that's all real. We've all had those experiences. Um, but it's a lot like the last episode where they take an experience that lots of people have had and they exaggerate it to the point of being somewhat unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, that just makes me feel like, okay, you almost had something, but I'm not. I'm actually not a huge fan of where that went. Right. And you make a good point about like with all this access. Also, is it your responsibility to look the person up? Did you, if you feel comfortable sharing, did you like Google your partner before you guys started dating? Um, y- yes. And didn't find much like, right. I, th- I think it's probably best practice to look at the first page of Google results. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I agree. Um, and uh, I did that and didn't really find anything. But but you're uh, not like you're not like uh, I'm gonna look up this guy's arrest record or because no. that's the thing that's like the the actually there's a couple of scary moments in this episode that are like we have too much access to con- like information here. One is when Andrew realizes that Zelda like not only uh, used her lawyer like resources to find his arrest record. But um, paid, but paid for police footage, which is like a red flag. Right. That's fucking right, that's, weird. That's the other thing that is super strange about this one is we're, it's not even a plot about Googling someone because neither of them do that and find something. Everybody has something that, well, not everybody, but there are plenty of people that if you Google them, you could find like an old picture or like, whoa, this is a kind of embarrassing, funny thing that I found. And you could just do a plot like that. But instead, they're finding information via totally unrelatable means. Like you're saying, Zelda either buying legally buying this footage or bribing a cop or whatever it was that got her this dash cam video. And then Andrew exploiting his like corporate privilege to get information from a profile that like never went up or that he never saw or I don't know. So this is not just your garden variety. Like, oops, I look something up and ah, now it's stuck in my head and I'm so anxious about it and we have to talk about it. It's like, no, I did some like 
investigative journalism on you <laughs> that may have bent some laws and uh, found something that is not uh, like this Savory. is not a thing. Yeah. Mm. So what's a weird it's a weird episode. And it's that's like what the episode's technically supposed to be about. That's what Curiouser and Curiouser it refers to ref- going down the rabbit hole like Alice in Wonderland. Right. Uh, that's like the graphic at the top. Because everybody in this episode goes too far down the hole that you should just not look down. That's like the point of it. Is yeah. Andrew shouldn't get to the point where he's hiding behind a car while while Zelda has lunch with this guy Gustav that she used to be married to. But like, mm-hmm. I don't know. If you found out that your partner used to be married, wouldn't you be like fascinated and want to have a whole conversation about that? Uh, right, right. And not be able to put that down? Personally, I've like, I don't think it's that weird to like be married previously and then be like back on the dating scene but like Mm -hmm. i understand where his discomfort comes from and he and his curiosity that's like the you know curiouser and curiouser uh Mm -hmm. it makes sense but then for zelda's to be like i'm gonna use my work to spy on you feels weird in an episode that's full of people doing weird rabbit hole bullshit like yeah so it's not the weirdest because also Big Bird puts fucking trackers on <laughs> on Andrew's uh-huh. camera and mouse and keyboard, and uses that to look up him and his, what him and uh, Stu are doing at work. What? Prescient for the post COVID era of bosses. Like, have you heard about this? Charlie was telling me about this. That there are some companies. I mean, these are extreme examples, yeah. but that have tried to start implementing like work from home monitoring systems yeah. to like prove that people are working like mm-hmm. your computer will take a random photo of you every 90 minutes or you know something like that i uh, i actually heard yeah. about that at my work where someone was like oh i was on a really high up meeting and somebody brought up the concept of workplace monitor or like remote work monitoring mm-hmm. and so it's hypothetically possible but it's that's dystopian to me yeah that's really really dystopian that's like something i would quit my job for tbh yeah. um but it's worth mentioning like it's and the show doesn't do enough to be like hey lydia that's so fucked up because she's the villain she it it's fine that she does that and instead we get jokes where dinesh and and loria are like oh like i love my job anyways bye andrew love my job really big fan of my job while they stand in front of his his webcam but it made mm. me feel fucking slimy it felt so gross and yeah. like her looking up on the email server like how many people call me big bird like she looks up lydia and gets like 10 results and looks up big bird and gets 500 results uh-huh. uh i was like this is really weird guys and yeah we all know and they tell you in like it training that anything you put on an email server can be used tracked but to see it played as like a funny sitcom plot made me feel fucking weird super to the weird, extreme yeah. super weird it's what you're it's what's gonna happen when you're doing a 2014 like tech california tech world yeah yeah i will say i love i love the gag of howard walking out of that room and smashing his laptop against the trash can to try to like cover his trail or whatever yep that's pretty fun trying to be settled not successfully yeah the spying that's interesting to me is when big bird is in the bar with them and they are like, oh, fuck, what did we say about our boss? Did we say we hate her? Did we say that we sleep on the job or whatever? Uh-huh. And instead, all they said was everybody calls her Big Bird and she's mean. 
and <laughs> that's enough for her to like go off and track them. well the the funny thing is they do this run of like 10 things they said back and forth that you don't want your boss to overhear yeah it's like i always just expense that on the company account oh i think that feet are really cool or you know whatever random stuff they do like 10 in a row that are just like escalatingly absurd yeah and then yeah, yeah all she hears is those those things like that's fine you know that's like the kind of workplace spying that i'm not saying it's good but it's like doesn't make me feel like i'm in a police state well that <laughs> was that was it. a coincidence that she was just true. at the bar that was what true, inspired true. her to want to spy on people mm-hmm. that's true but i think that makes a more like comfortable sitcom plot is like oh yeah. we didn't realize that she was at the bar and she happened to hear us oh that's uncomfortable instead of howard how many how quickly can i get into their computers mm-hmm weird yeah even weirder the fact that the show has now twice referenced the discontinued alcoholic uh beverage zima what's going on (laughs) why is it referencing zima so much if we get a third one then it's a it's a trend two is enough for me to just be like that was weird but it's what andrew drank in college uh you like that scene where they talk about how like oh zelda paid for his arrest record and then they're like, I think we're going to be okay. And the old couple nearby goes, they're doomed. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. I, la- I laugh at that until I know that they're doomed because their relationship only lasts eight months. And then I go, oh, mm-hmm. unless, unless. Well, they only dated for eight months. Yeah, 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 yeah. True. Uh, what else did you have about this one? Um, There's another stew line that worked for me, which is he joins them. It's a it's like a thing in this episode that Stu and Steffi can't be in the same place together because they had that awkward thing in the first episode and then they become friends in this one and it's fine. Um but I really liked at the beginning she throws a drink in his face and he likes it. So he <laughs> says to the the waiter, "Excuse me, can I get a glass of this for my mouth?" Uh that <laughs> that was pretty funny to me. <laughs> and the third time it happens he dodges it. Because he goes, you have a tell. <laughs> like he's, <laughs> she's done it enough times that he dodges the drink. Yeah, that's good. That's good old clean fun. My favorite line was when Big Bird is talking to Howard about like pain, and she says, "quote My mother used to say that pain is just weakness leaving the body," which mm-hmm. is such an unhinged thing to say. <laughs> well, and it's funny that his response is, "Oh, I'm, I'm, so, oh, so I'm sorry." sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the best part. Yeah. We're big fans of Howard, I think, still. Yeah. Uh, that's all I got. Yeah, Steffi same. gets catfished by Stu. He tries to give her dating advice. Oh, one of the dating advice tips is uh, lower your salary because men are going to – or like change your job title because men don't want to think that you make more money or more successful than them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, God, I hate, I hate gaming dating apps. It grosses me out so much. Mm-hmm. The whole point is to be a human. Ugh, whatever. If, if yeah. it works for people, it works. But it's gross. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, Stu says "milady," which reminded me that again, this was a he's, thing. This was a thing, and he's one step away from a fedora. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. That Gustav scene was kind of cute, but I have nothing about it. Oh, mm-hmm. Andrew's a white guy who can like get apprehended by the cops and assault a cop and get like out of prison in about thirty seconds because he has a white girlfriend who's rich and is like, "Yeah, I know yeah. a cop." Yeah. <laughs> just, just, it is what it is. Um, That's it. The ending is saccharine because then Stu and Steffi are like, we're going to help you hang out with you guys and be in the same room together even though we hate each other. 
Okay, cute. Madge, do you want to talk about what we're watching next time on chats to A to chat C? I would love to. Next time we're watching the next three episodes of A to Z. So if you are watching it with us because you bought a DVD when that came out and it, that never existed. So I don't know how you did that. <laughs> but you got the show. Right? There probably wasn't ever a DVD release of this. I'm looking it up. I can't imagine they did. I, I can't imagine either. Oh! Hmm? hard to vi- I'm on hardtofindtv.com. This is a fan-made DVD of A to C. Awesome. Awesome. $25? I'll be right back. This I'm buying. I'm not buying this. This is so sketchy, but yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, we're watching the next three episodes of A to Z. They are called D is for Debbie, E is for Ectoplasm, and F is for fight, fight, fight. I'm gonna make these a... summaries are not brief, so we'll just you know go off of those. His E's rectoplasm is gonna be a Halloween episode, and Stu is going to be really into the Ghostbusters. Uh, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Well, no shit, really. It Stop. aired on October 30th, and Andrew and Stu episode. normally don their Ghostbusters jumpsuit costumes and jam there to the theme is. song. Yeah. Okay. I think it's like a Halloween thing where it's like, do we do a couple's costume? Oh my god. It's the themed episodes of TV. D is for Debbie, I think. Uh is oh Debbie is Zelda's mom's friend who like helped raise Zelda and Debbie passes away. So that's Ooh. could be interesting. Definitely. Uh, e is the Halloween episode. F is for fight, fight, fight. Is like a guy tries to yell at Zelda and she yells back. And Andrew's like, wait, am I in enough of a man to defend? Oh my, my god. So. <sighs> the gender is coming from inside the house. All right. Yeah, that's right. Do you want to tell me where people can find you on the podcast here, Magellan? Well, you can find me on Super Smash Echoes, which is a video game podcast to do with my friend Justin, where we play video games that are related to the Super Smash Brothers franchise in some way, Super Smash Echoes. You can also read some of my assorted writing on my Substack newsletter, which is a new thing that I'm doing. There should be a handful of articles out by the time you're listening to this. Uh, You can find it at not that magellan.substack.com not that magellan.substack.com what about you i don't have any writing at the moment but i am on a couple of other podcasts um you can find my work other than chats on scanlinemedia.com i do uh, i wrapped up oops more anime which is an anime podcast with my friend six we also co-host the creature quorum which is a podcast where we discuss and rate the monsters of monster hunter and pokemon uh and we have a lot of other fun stuff coming back if you've been following cmi media's work for a couple years so 2023 is going to be really fun for us doing cool projects uh and my personal gig is talking marketing which is a bi-monthly marketing podcast i host with the ama in boston uh i interview marketing professionals about their work and uh in a fun accessible way for people who don't care about marketing so check out talking marketing on spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts uh that's what we got let's give it a plug zone we're gonna plug it in remember when people used to do like plug jokes whenever they would do the plug zone 
People? Us? People. People. Uh, plugs in the time, folks. If you want to email us questions, comments, or concerns, our email is chatspod at gmail.com, C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D. We're at chatspod on Twitter until Leon blows the website up. And uh, you can look up Chats, the television podcast on YouTube. We do have a YouTube channel squatted. Who knows what will happen there in the future? Mm-hmm. Wink! And then there's like a twinkle in my eye as I wink. Uh, hey, do you still like Reddit? Well, we have a community-run subreddit. It's our Chats pod. Uh, it's pretty cool over there if you want to hang out on Reddit. If you like the pod, we have a couple ways you can support us. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify where you can rate us and review us. Uh, we have a lot of good stuff on there, but we want more. So the algorithm finally likes us. Uh, and if you want to throw us a couple of coins, we have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash chats pod. We're at one, three or five dollars a month. You can support chats monthly and get all sorts of goodies depending on your tier, like an entire backlog, a nearly five years of backlogged, uh, movie commentaries, uh, wheel spins that we, where people put things on the wheel and we vote, they vote and we spin it. And then we watch the thing, uh, pilot chats. We watch TV pilots. Uh, just the pilots, not even the full canceled show, but only the first episode. And uh, we got an X Files podcast on there. It's great. Five dollars a month and more, though, you get thanked in every mean feed episode of the show. So as of today, our five dollar patrons include, and I'm gonna go from middle outward: Magellan's mom, Lee, Cat, Justin, Marcus, Michael, Nick, and Pat of the Brothers at Infinite War, Six, Jen, Arthur, and Stefan. <laughs> That was so hard. I had to like track it with my mouse. Uh, and before we wrap it up, we have a website. It's at chat. It's chatspod.com. And if you like our podcast already, it was done by Camilla. She can be found at Camilla Strader on social media. And our final segment here before we take it to the close after a very fun episode of A to Chat Z is Chatsums. Conk, like the pickles. We snack on them between now and next week. But John, what is your Chatsum or Chatsums for this week, please? I have two. Um, so yeah. I was hanging out with my girlfriend and her roommates two days ago, and we just somehow ended up in front of a TV taking turns suggesting old videos on YouTube that we wanted to see. Uh, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I wanted to see Ooh. the because one of her roommates had not seen the um, one where the guy's tasting the ice cream and he says, the cream. Uh, the, cream. Uh, <laughs> the cream. Bro, I fucking quote that on the daily. Sweet vanilla. That's okay. <laughs> it was so good. Please look up ice cream tasting guy on YouTube for that one. So in tasting, what we do is take a small amount right off the top. It doesn't take much. That's the warmest part right here. I'm going to invert the spoon. Mm. Cover all 9,000 taste bud. Aerate it. Warm it up, driving up that top note, that cream, pure vanilla, sweeteners. Mm, that's a 10. So fucking funny. Uh, but it was that, and then we were watching some like commercials from the 90s and the 2000s, and then I was kind of like, ah, you remember when people used to just do this in the 2010s? You just like hung out and had a YouTube party? So mm-hmm. like do that. Like get off of Instagram for a second where you're, where you're sending all the things to each other's yeah, that's fun too. But like sit around the TV and take turns just shouting out stupid little videos to put on the TV. That's a YouTube party. I hope you have one soon. Um so that's one thing. 
And then, um, speaking of YouTube, the YouTuber that I've been watching a lot of lately is this guy, Ali Abdal, who um, is like a productivity, self-help kind of YouTube guy. Um, oh, not seven side hustles you can start in 2023. Uh-oh. I can't wait to watch that one. It's in my watch later. I might watch it right after this. So, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people like that on YouTube who have like poison productivity brain, but I think Ali is like a pretty thoughtful guy who seems to care about the human element of being a creator and an entrepreneur and like a person who's trying to self-actualize. So I, he definitely has videos where it's like, okay, relax. Like I don't need to be that productive or I don't Mm -hmm. like the way you're framing that. But I think of that sphere of people, he's someone that I would trust more than most. And he's a, he's had some ideas that have like shifted my thinking about productivity a bit. So I would recommend him. Every mm, every YouTuber who is a person of color uh, of like, you know, East Asian, Southeast Asian descent or Middle Eastern descent is always former doctor or dentist becomes YouTuber or content creator. And as somebody who's on track to do the same thing, <laughs> I just love to see it. I just fucking love to see it. Uh, so that's Ali Abdal. Uh, I, I respect the hustle, even though I'm trying to get myself off of productivity grind people i see it seems like his videos are well produced at the very least yeah that's awesome uh gosh well, i've been watching a lot of stuff for the podcast you know we watched paddington or we watched uh that 90s show and that 70s show uh i have a quick game chat some and then a quick tv chat some so quick game chat some uh persona 3 portal just came out for the Switch. This is a game from 2006 that was on the PS2. It's in the Persona franchise. Iconic JRPG franchise. One of the most popular ones of that genre. Um, basically, it's a school life simulator mixed with a traditional JRPG dungeon crawler. Where you're managing your time and your social friendships uh, and social relationships in the day. And then in the evening, you are descending a dungeon or ascending a dungeon. In the case of P3 and uh you know, solving mysteries and stuff like that and learning about people along the way. Um, Persona 3 was the first, like, one of those that really focused on social stuff. The first two are more dungeon-y. And uh, I never played it. I played, f- I watched 4 and I played 5. And the games are really fun, even though they have a lot of writing issues. Uh, and so far, I'm really, really getting a kick out of Persona 3. Um, it has multiple versions, not to get into the weeds here, but, like... So Persona 3 was released a couple times. Once was, like, on the PS2... Your guy runs around in 3D and in the dungeons and in the map. Then there was like an updated version with like an epilogue. Then it came out on the PSP as Persona 3 Portable where you could play as a girl and the story was different. You could date different people, but you couldn't run around. Now the game works like a visual novel where you click destinations to go there. So instead of like walking around the mall, you just say like, I would like to go to the karaoke store. And then you do karaoke. People feel mixed about that, but it definitely expedites the like JRPG bullshit of like running around looking for things to do. Um, and so this is a switch port of that. Uh, and I'm liking it a lot. My TV chats, um, um, I've actually been getting quite a good, quite a bit of enjoyment out of The Last of Us on HBO. Um, it, I, for context, never played the game, but I watched a lot of reviews of the game when it came out and the second one. Uh, so I like know what happens, but. 
I really like Pedro Pascal. I love him in Mandalorian, which is coming back soon. And I loved him in Game of Thrones. So I mostly came for him. And it's from the people who made Chernobyl, which if you are a patron of ours, you know that we really dug Chernobyl the pilot uh, a few years back. So uh, the Chernobyl people made a Last of Us adaptation that is so far, two episodes in, pretty dang good. And I recommend it if you're looking for a new show. That's all we got, folks. Thank you so much uh, to all of you. Magellan, thank you for being the Andrew to my Zelda. Um, And thank you all so very Mm. much for listening to a... To Chatsy. Oh, t- love. Milk. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone.